John chapter number 7 in our Bibles this morning. We've been going through the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, and as we preached the last couple weeks, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ clearly defined His ministry. And as a church and as believers, uh, we need to have a defined ministry. This is the direction that we are going. And uh, Jesus was very focused on the will of God for His life. And let me just say, church, God has a plan for you, and God has uh, a direction that He wants you to go. And uh, God expects you to find His will. And God expects you to not only find His will, but He expects you to do His will. And uh, Jesus was very focused on what God had called Him to. And remember we talked about how His ministry was defined by humility. And uh, Jesus did not walk full of pride and full of Himself, but He walked in humility. And uh, last week we talked about how Christ defined His ministry uh, with Bible preaching. And as a church and as believers, we need to love Bible preaching. And God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We live in a day and time where preaching is not the priority in many churches. Instead, it's entertainment. Instead, it's fellowship. Instead, it's all these other things except for the main thing. And God said, I've chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And as we come here to this passage again here in John chapter number 7, uh, today we're going to see the third um, thing that Jesus defined his ministry with, and, and that was defined by people. Look at verse number 15 of John chapter number 7 and verse number 15. The Bible says, And the Jews marveled, saying, How knoweth this man letters, having never learned? Let's pray together, then we'll dive in this morning. Father, I'm asking you to move in our church t today. Lord, I pray that we would... Uh, follow in the footsteps of our Savior. May we have a passion for people. And uh, Lord, I'm so thankful that you loved the world. And I'm thankful that you loved people. And I'm thankful that you loved me. And I pray, Father, that we would leave with a desire to win people to Christ. Lord, help us to have your vision, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. What consumed the Lord Jesus Christ? Why did Jesus go to the cross of Calvary? Why did he leave the throne room of heaven? to be born in that stable, to ultimately go to that cross, be wheaten and bruised and spat upon, to allow the beard to be plucked from his brow, or, to, uh, or from his face, and the crown of thorns upon his brow. What motivated the Lord Jesus Christ? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let me say, church, I'm so thankful that Jesus is a, is a Savior for whosoever. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. As that little kid's song goes, red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. Hey, Sarah just got back from uh, from being uh, away and teaching in a foreign country. And uh, boy, thank God that whether it's over in in, in the in the Far East, whether it's in the in Alabama or a bunch of Yankees up north, I'm so thankful that Jesus Christ is focused upon people, and He was all about reaching others with the gospel that He offered salvation in Christ in Christ alone. And I want you to know this morning, church, that we must be defined. Our churches got to be focused upon reaching people with that glorious gospel of our Savior. Listen, this area is, is, is full of people that do not know Christ. As we went out yesterday, I was with Noah and Lily and Leah, and I knocked down a door, and a girl, a lady came to the door, and I invited her to church, and she said, you know, Pastor, she said, I'm looking for a church. I'm looking for a place that 
I can come and hear the Bible preach. There are so many churches, she said, it's all about drama. It's all about these little cliques. It's all about this group. And she said, I'm looking for a place where I can just come and hear the Word of God preach and be challenged to be more like the Lord. And, and let me say, there are folks all over the place. We meet them on a daily basis that need the gospel. And we must be focused upon reaching them with that gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice here in this passage the people that Jesus was focused on. It says in verse 15 that the Jews marveled saying, How knoweth this man letters having never learned? Notice how Jesus was focused on a nation. Let me just say, church, our nation needs God. The church signed, Blessed is a nation whose God is the Lord. Let me say, the United States does not have Jesus Christ as the Lord of it. I'm thankful for uh, for for uh, a president. I'm thankful for some of the decisions he's made. But let me say, my hope is not in Donald Trump. My hope's not in Jeff Sessions as the you know working up there in in the White House. And by the way, the Judge Nor or whoever gets elected here for the Alabama Senate, our hope is not in that. Listen, uh, our hope is in the Savior, and the gospel of our Savior has got to be the focus of our church. And and, and that's the only hope for our nation. It's it's not in Reformation. It's not in the G20 summit. It's not in the global warming. It's not in uh, getting on this initiative and dealing with this issue. The solution for the world is the gospel of the Savior. You say, Pastor, what will take care of North Korea and Russia and all these different conflicts? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not reformation. It's not, well, let's throw money at it. Let's try to do it. Listen, the solution is Christ. What's going to take care of the problems in Huntsville? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus was burdened for a people that heard them, his message clearly preached. So I'm wondering today, are you burdened for your nation? Last week, July 4th, we started out right as a nation. Man, they found that the, our nation was founded on godly principles, on Bible principles. But boy, we've walked away from that. Are you burdened for a nation? I think about different people in the Word of God. I think that pleaded for a nation. Remember, Abraham stood yet before the Lord as Lot was in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. God said to Abraham, I'm getting ready to wipe that city out. And what did Abraham do? Abraham went and stood before God. He said, God, if you find 50 righteous in the city, will you destroy it? How about 45, 40, 30, 20, 10? He pleaded with God. God saved the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. Why? Because I've got a lost family there that needs to be rescued. And boy, Abraham was willing to plead with God. I wonder when's the last time you pleaded with God over your nation? When's the last time that you got along with God and said, God, would you please forgive us for the way that we're going? Hey, Jeremiah wept over his, over his, his nation. He wept over Israel. He was known as the weeping prophet. God said, Jeremiah, you're going to preach and they're not going to respond. You're going to declare the judgment is coming and they're not going to heed your message. And yet Jeremiah boldly pleaded, and he boldly stood, and he boldly prayed for a nation. Ezekiel 22, 30, Ezekiel, the Bible says, was a man that stood in the gap. The Bible says, I sought for a man among them, and should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me, for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Hey, God is looking for you and for me to weep over people. He's looking for us to have a burden for people. He's looking for us to have the heartbeat and the passion of the Savior. It says in Psalm 126 and verse 5, and they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Can I ask you when was the last time you sowed in tears? When's the last time you wept? I think about uh, when, when we were done knocking doors and met, many of us had gone home about 1 o'clock. I, I drove through the streets that, that we had knocked on this week. 
Boy, I prayed for Warren, and I prayed for Oakwood heading toward the park, and prayed for Bernie, and I prayed for prayed for uh, for uh, Old Shaughnessy. I finished that up this week, and, and boy, pleading for the streets, pleading for the people that live there. Let me say, we we need to be burdened for people. When's the last time you wept? Is it some have compassion? making a difference and others save with fear pulling them out of the fire hating even the garments spotted by the flesh Jesus said go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature by the way every creature it doesn't matter what one's skin color may be it doesn't matter what their educational background may be it doesn't matter how much money they have in the bank or how little they have in the bank hey Jesus died for the world and let me say church it is our job to reach the world with the gospel of Christ man I get I get frustrated when I get around folks that say well you know we're only gonna we're gonna be a church for these people and we're not gonna reach the world listen it doesn't matter what someone's background may be Jesus did not say let me check your credentials at the door and then come in. No, Jesus said, I died for you. Whether you're the poor man, whether you're the lame man, whether you've got leprosy, whether you're Nicodemus, a religious man, Jesus said, I died for all, and salvation is for all. And boy, let me just say, we have got to have the mindset of Christ where we are going to reach others for Christ. Jesus was focused on a nation. He was focused on the people. In verse 20, the Bible says, the people answered and said, Thou is the devil who goeth about to kill thee. Jesus answered and said unto them, I have done one work in you all marvel, verse 25. That says, Some of them of Jerusalem is not this he whom they seek to kill. But lo, he speaketh boldly. And let me say, Jesus was focused on individuals. Hey, the folks that you go to work with, I wonder, are you focused on them individually? Are you pleading with God over them? Are you begging God to save them? You know, there is a list that I've got of people that I'm praying for. Think about my friend Junior right across the street. Stopped by and I talked to, knocked on his door a couple days ago. Said Junior, or his, uh, his friend Jeremiah came to the door. I said, where's Junior? He said, oh, he's out and about. I said, man, Jeremiah, you need to come to my church. You need to hear the gospel. You need to get saved. He said, Pastor. He said, uh, Junior and I were just talking about that. Man, one year ago when I met Junior, he was an agnostic, didn't believe in God, didn't want anything to do with church, called me up cussing because somebody had dropped off an invitation to come to church on his door. Boy, God's working on his heart. Let me say, I pray for Junior every day to get saved. I wonder, are you praying for your family members? Are you praying for your loved ones? Are you praying for your co-workers? Are you pleading with God? Listen, the, the devil wants them to go to hell. The devil doesn't want them to go to heaven. Who's going to plead for them? Who's going to stand before God? Who's going to be that intercessor? Who's going to plead and say, God, would you save them? What was Jesus focused on? He was focused on a nation. He was focused on people. Not only was he focused on people, but notice in verse 20, uh, uh, verse number 32, we see that Jesus was focused on the leadership of that day. He says, and the Pharisees heard. Not only was Jesus focused on the crowd, not only was he focused on a nation, but Jesus was focused on the religious crowd. In verse number 45, it says, Then came the officers of the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said unto him, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, Never man spake like this man. Jesus was focused on those soldiers there that were there to keep the peace. In verse number, uh, verse number 50, Nicodemus saith unto them, He that came to Jesus by night being one of them. Jesus was focused on Nicodemus, that religious man. Let me say Jesus was focused on all. Can I ask you this morning? Do you have the mindset of our Savior? Are you focused upon people? What was Jesus, uh, what was he doing? He was focused on people. His ministry was defined by people. But what was his purpose with those people? Was his purpose just social reform? Was his purpose just to do miracles and feed the 5,000 and walk on water and save the disciples from drowning? What was his purpose? He said, I've come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
He said, I am the door. By many, me, if any man enter in, he shall go in and out and find pastors. Jesus came to be a witness to others. Look at verse number 37. In that last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What was Jesus doing? He was using illustrations to show folks that he was that promised Messiah. In John 6, 48, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And in John chapter number 4, that the well of at that well, Jesus said that woman taken, or that woman, that very immoral woman, he said, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give shall never thirst again. But the water that I shall give shall be in a well of living water. Spring up unto everlasting life. Jesus used the illustration of a well. He used the illustration of the water. The spirit and the bride say come. And let him that hears say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Jesus used the illustration in John 10 about being the good shepherd. About being the door to the sheep uh, sheepfold. He used the illustration of in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus made it very clear over and over and over again that he was the only way to heaven. What was Jesus doing as he went and walked about and talked about and preached about? He was using illustrations to point people to Christ. He was bold in his witness. Can I ask you this morning? Are you bold in your witness? A couple days ago I was studying at a Starbucks. And uh, I walked, got my coffee and I was going to sit down and there was a girl, I say girl, she was probably my grandma's age, right? But she, there was a young lady, right, of 67 years old. But there she was and she was drinking coffee and she sneezed. I'm talking about, you know, some people sneeze and it's, you know, nice and quiet. Not this lady, all right? It's like sneeze and like earthquake sneezing, you know what I'm saying? And everybody in the restaurant looked at her like, what happened, right? And uh, I looked at her, I said, I said, I sneeze every time I come to Starbucks, too. And she's like, I don't know what it is, Pastor. And her husband's right next to her, and he said, he said, yeah, not only does she sneeze at Starbucks, she sneezes at church. I said, let me tell you something. The reason you sneeze at your church is because you're at the wrong church. You need to come to my church, right? And boom, right into the gospel. And the man looked at me, he's like, man, preacher, that was smooth transition, right? But, uh, you know, I, th I think about the reality. You know, so many times, what, so many times we, 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 we're not engaged in the conversation because we're not fishing. We're not looking for opportunities. Everywhere Jesus went, what was he doing? He was looking for an opportunity to share the gospel. He was looking for the opportunity to tell someone. He was looking for that inroad. He was looking for somebody just to ask that, that, that pointed question, ask about something, and boy, boom, there he was, witnessing that he was that promised Messiah. Can I ask you this morning, are you going out of your way to tell others about Christ? On purpose, Jesus was focused on people. On purpose, Jesus witnessed to them. Each witnessing opportunity is different. What we ought to be doing is we ought to be asking God to open the door of conversation. We see Jesus defined his ministry by reaching people. He was, he was passionate about a nation, about individuals. He used different illustrations to try to point them to Christ. But what did he always preach? What was the message that he preached? What should you and I declare to, to our lost friends, loved ones, neighbors? What is the message of Christ? Look at verse number 16. We see as Jesus witnessed, it says, And Jesus answered them and said, My doctrine is not mine but His that sent me. Let me say, when we witness to somebody, when we tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ, we better make sure we're using the Bible. The Bible is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, 
piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the, of the heart. The Bible says, uh, faith cometh by hearing, and not hearing by the words of a preacher, not hearing by the words of a tremendous friend, but by hearing the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let me say, the only way you got saved was by the word of God. And let me say, your family has got to be reached by the gospel. You've got to use the Bible. It's not, hey, one, two, three, pray after me. One, two, three, go to church, join the church roll, get baptized in the dunk tank. No, the, the, the Bible is what must be used to point people to Christ. What was the message of Jesus? He used the Bible over and over and over again. He referred to the Old Testament over and over again. He talked about how the Son of Man would be lifted up there with Nicodemus. He talked about the, uh, the, the snake on the pole when all they had to do was look at the, at, the, at the snake by faith and they would be healed. He used the illustration in this passage. Look in, in uh, verse number 19. It says in uh, John chapter number 7 and verse number 19, it said, And did not Moses give you the law? And yet none of you keepeth it. Why go ye about to kill me? Jesus used the Bible. Number two, Jesus showed them their lost condition. You realize what Jesus did? Hey, there everybody at the feast. They were keeping the law. I mean, this is what God expects from us. Three times a year, the male, men were required to go to this feast. Hey, we're religious. We're doing our duty, right? And yet Jesus pointed to them and said, Listen, you may be religious, but you're lost because you don't keep the whole law. The Bible says that if we offend in one point, we're guilty of all. We've all failed God. We've all missed the mark. We've all failed to uh, meet God's expectation. And Jesus clearly pointed that out, that you've missed the mark. Your sin has offended God. The Bible says in Romans um, 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. What's God's expectation? God's expectation is perfection. God expects you to be perfect. But guess what, neighbor? You've missed the mark. You've fallen short. It's like the illustration, if you were to go to the Grand Canyon. I've never been, but I've seen pictures, right? And let's say, man, you're some overweight guy that weighs 472 pounds, all right? And you're there, you're eating pizza, right? And there's another guy that is an Olympic jumper. I'm talking about this guy runs really, really fast, jumps, and boy, he sets records with his great skills, right? And you're both there standing there, big guy, eating his pizza. And this skinny guy that's a big-time jumper... And the rules are given, all right? You've got to jump all the way over the Grand Canyon. If you make it over, you get to go to heaven, right? Man, it doesn't matter how fit you are. You're all, it doesn't matter if you're overweight and you eat pizza all the time. You're going to miss the mark. You're going to fall down, right? It doesn't matter if you set records at the Olympics. You can't jump all that distance across the Grand Canyon. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying we've all missed the mark. The Bible says in Romans 3, verse 10, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And the Bible says because of our sin, Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. Jesus made it very clear to those on that day, listen, you've offended God. You've missed the mark. And because you missed the mark, well, you're guilty and you're condemned. What did he preach? He, pre he used the Bible. He showed them their lost condition. But notice in verse number 28, as Jesus witnessed, it says, Then cried Jesus to the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, and you know whence I am, and I am not come of myself. But he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he has sent me. Let me just say, what did Jesus do in his witnessing? He showed them not only their lost condition, he not only used the Bible, but he showed them that he was the only way to heaven. Let me say again, church, this morning, Jesus is the only way. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's not many ways. All roads do not lead to heaven. There's only one road to heaven. 
And that's through the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, that cleanses us from all sin. Only, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. It's not your membership. It's not your baptism. It's not all these different creeds that we follow. It's Christ and Christ alone. And Jesus said to those on that day, the religious crowd at the religious feast, you missed the mark. And you need to realize that I'm the only way you're going to go to heaven. He, he showed them their lost condition. He showed them that he was the only way to heaven. And then look in verse 24. Jesus led them to a salvation decision. It says, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Look in verse 37. In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. What did Jesus say? He led them to a point of decision. Let me just say this morning, friend, if there's never been a time in your life when you decided to, when you decided to trust Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you're not on your way to heaven. Most people will miss heaven by about 16 inches. The head to the heart. You see, I talk to people, and you talk to people all the time, and they'll talk about this religious experience they had where they went to this meeting and boy, the, the, the lights were flashing and, and boy, I just felt energy that went you know, uh, through my veins and that's when I was born again. Others will say, I, well, I went to the church at 12 years old, walked the aisle and they dumped me in the dunk, uh, baptismal tank. Others will say, I was sprinkled as a baby, I'm on my way to heaven. Others will say, I'm doing my mission work and I'm earning my way to heaven. I mean, down the list will they'll go. But Jesus said, listen, you've heard the message preached. Judge righteous judgment. And by the way, let me just say this. You've heard that statement, judge not lest you be judged. You know what Jesus said? He said to judge righteous judgment. What are we to make judgment calls on? On the word of God. Let me just say, the Bible is our authority and it's not, well, you're just unloving. No, we're standing by the Bible. Judge not lest you be judged is taken out of, judge, out of context because it goes on and explains the next verse exactly what Jesus was saying. Our judgment, we need to judge righteous judgment based upon what the Savior preached. And Jesus said in verse 38, He that believeth on me, Jesus made it clear, you've got to believe on me. He led them to a point of decision. You know what we do so many times as Christians in our witnessing? We talk about the Savior, but we never lead them to salvation. We talk about their sins. Boy, I, I was with my brother back a couple months, a month ago up there in Massachusetts for uh, the Worcester Revival. And uh, my brother was, uh, I came over, we grabbed lunch one day, and he had two of his co-workers with him. And uh, we were sitting there, and I asked him, I said, have your co-workers got saved? He said, no, but they're coming to our church, and I'm working on them. He'd been working on them for like two and a half months. I said, Tim, I said, they need to get saved. They, they, they've heard the message. Oh, they know they're sinners. They know Jesus is the only way to heaven. I said, Tim, have you ever led them to salvation? Have you led them to the point of decision? And so many times, what do we do? We lead folks. We talk about the Lord. We talk about Jesus is the only way to heaven. But we never show them, this is how you trust Christ to be your Savior. It is a belief. It is a choice that you must make to trust Christ to be your Savior. When I was 11 years old, I've told you this story before. Sitting on my bed, I knew I was lost. I knew that I deserved hell because of my sin. And as an 11-year-old boy, I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to save me. And I said, Jesus, you're going to be my leader. What is salvation? Salvation is a 180-degree turn. I am not only believing in my head, but I'm believing in my heart. And I'm making the decision to go God's way. 
trusting Christ to be my Savior. And boy, there on that day after Tim and I got done with lunch, uh, his two co-workers bowed their head and trusted Christ to be their Savior. Listen, your, your co-workers will die and go to hell if you never lead them to decision. Just because you feed them Bible verses, man, you've got to lead them to that point of decision. Hey, judge. You need to make a decision based upon what you've heard. Believe. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. So many times we just delay and say, we'll get to it later. We don't want to offend anybody. But God has called us, like Christ himself, to lead folks to a point of decision. It was October 8th, 1871. D.L. Moody was preaching a, famous, uh, preaching a sermon in uh, the city of Chicago. And uh, at that night, on that night, he preached a message of salvation. And his message was entitled, What Will You Do With Jesus? What Will You Do With Him? And uh, instead of praying and leading folks to salvation in Christ, D.L. Moody instead said this, he said, He instructed them to take their new knowledge home and to turn it over in their minds and return the next Sunday to decide what they would do with Jesus who was called Christ. And then he turned to Ira Sankey, a song leader, and asked him to close the service in the song. I was saying he sang this song, Today the Savior calls for refuge fly. The storms of justice falls and death is nigh. As they were going on to the next serve, uh, uh, verse of that song, all of a sudden there was a bunch of sirens that were going by the church. All of a sudden there was a lot of clamor outside and they were never able to finish that song of invitation because the great Chicago fire had started. It was spreading and heading right toward that Chicago church. That church was burnt to the ground. And D.L. Moody, in his years, uh, years later, he said he would say this. He said, the biggest blunder he ever made in that in his ministry was that night. He said this. He said, but I want to tell you of one lesson that I learned that night, which I have never forgotten, and that is when I preach to press Christ upon people, and then and there, and try to bring them to a decision on the spot. I would rather have that right hand cut off than to give an audience a week now to decide what to do with Jesus. D.L. Moody understood the importance of reaching people. Why? Because boast not thyself of tomorrow, for no man knoweth what a day may bring forth. Hey, Angie passed away yesterday. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. You could get in your car today and pull out of the parking lot and get T-boned at the light, and boy, this could be your last sermon that you've ever heard. Dear friends, today is the day of salvation. You're here today without Christ. What will you do with Jesus? He offers you salvation. He says, uh, he says I am, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He offers you salvation. What are you going to do with him this morning? Church, I wonder, what are you going to do with the message that God has given to you? Are you going to go and reach people? Jesus died for people. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in His sight. Are you going to take that message and tell folks about Christ and lead them to that salvation point? Or are you going to continue to neglect your duty as a child of God? The message is yours. The message is mine. We must define our ministry. We must define our lives as focused upon reaching people for his, his son, Jesus Christ. I wonder, will you have that focus in your life? Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes for a word of prayer this morning.